So Search is completely naked, which makes it an incredible tool. And, and I don't want to ruin the moment, but when I typed in the thing for the lotion at 2 in the morning, I also was completely naked. <laughs> All right. We're going to edit that out for the, uh, for the viewers at home who have small children. John, going beyond that, search engines store all this information. So logically, me as an entrepreneur, if somebody's looking for somebody who can help them with their brand, I should be able to find this information lickety-split, but that is not the reality of things. No, and I think we should stick with the, with the rash and lotion while we've got a theme here. Uh, so I'm the company, I'm selling this lotion and I, I think I have the way that I should promote it, but if I could look at how people type in their questions and see what they're actually saying, it might influence how I think about it. It might influence how I talk about it. And if I could see what my competition's saying, that would influence me too, because I could see where they were right or where they were wrong or where there were gaps. And this isn't theoretical stuff. You can actually look it up. You can actually see that 697 people a month say it this way and 5,000 people a month say it that way. And it's facts. It's naked. It's the truth. Well, but, but you said to me before, and I've seen this working on uh, Determine and Search Doppler, the products that we helped launch. Uh, I can find this information, but I can't find it. It's, it's sitting right there, right in front of me, but I can't find this. Funny, stuff. funny you would mention that. Yes, it's a bit of a problem. It actually was the inspiration for building this. I'm in the lotion business, and I know exactly how you should ask for it. And maybe I even had some focus groups, so I really feel confident that I know how you should ask for it. The problem is I don't know how you do ask for it, because... You weren't in the focus group, and you didn't read my memo. You asked for it the way you want to. And so it's there. The data is there. But if I can't figure out the language you use, I'll never find it. And one of our big challenges in Search Doppler was, how do I take that 10 or 15 or 20 terms that you can think of that someone might use and find the 30,000 terms that people actually use and then help you target it down? And honestly, that is some magic technical voodoo stuff that you don't want to get behind the scenes. It's once you see it, it changes your view about what real people want. And up to now, I have not been able to see that. Uh, it has been the property of the technorati, the guys who specialize in fields like this. But for entrepreneurs who are doing this off the side of their desk, uh, this information is not available. It's really challenging. You need to you need to work in acronyms, and you need to have a fleet of tools, and you need to have your own uh, backend software to crunch the data. And yeah, if you're really technical and you build the infrastructure, you could figure out a way to do this. So let's let's not have it mysterious. You ever wonder how every time you go onto something Google, you see Amazon there on the first page? Right. Because they know how to do this. Yeah. And they're on the first page, and people click on their stuff, and they sell stuff, and they're a multi-billion dollar company. It works. You just need to know how. We've tried to take the mystery out of it. It shouldn't be that complicated, and it really isn't that complicated. Someone types in a term. The search engines look at all the content online and try to find the best content for that term. If you have content that works really well for that term, you have a chance of showing up. And if you put in the little bits in your content to help the search engine read it, you really have a good chance of showing up. If you show up, you win. So the first trick is focus on terms where you can win, and the second trick is put out content that's really fantastic for the, for the user, and the third is, for goodness sake, tell the search engines what it is. Now, it's funny. It's, uh, when I 
first started working with you, I had spent three years on my own consulting practice, and I thought I was being a genius. I coined this phrase, future-proof brands. And uh, I remember saying to you, you know, I've been writing blog posts about this. I've been doing interviews, been doing speeches about future-proof brands. I, I rate at the top of search pages as far as future-proof brands. I own the first page of future-proof brands when it comes to search uh, engine rating pages. Um, but nobody ever walked in the door and said, Mark, I want you to build me a future-proof brand. And I remember you telling me something that really set me on my butt. What was it that you said? Oh, I suspect I said something like, I'll bet you nobody's searching for it either. Yeah, that was, that was a bit disturbing. And I said, oh yeah, let's check. And, and I remember typing in future-proof brands and it was a, quite a, a, a revelation. It, it was, was quiet. <laughs> it was quiet. You know, the good news was you had genuinely carved out your own space. The bad news was, news was nobody knew. Well, that's incredible, you know, because you think that you can own something. You think that you could do something unique. But so many of us, uh, and even more so now in the world of startups, so many of us never bother to check if anybody actually cares about what we're building. I think it's, it's too complicated, so we don't think about it. But if you actually think about it, it's not that complicated. So I know that's a weird way to say it, but I have an analogy that maybe will help. So if, if you had a store and uh, you're in your store and you're actually writing an ad, you're actually, there's no one in the store, so you're writing an ad and you're going to put it in a newspaper and someone came into your store, you should probably stop writing the ad and talk to the person because you actually, you got a live one. You, you've got a, a customer who actually cares. This is actual demand. They parked their car, they walked in your store, they're interested. So you should focus on that. I kind of look at search the same way you could spend a bunch of time trying to interest people in your new future-proof brand and you'd probably have to take out ads and take out a Super Bowl ad would help or whatever and you get it, people educated and they might want to know what a future-proof brand was but honestly, if somebody walked in the store, why not talk to them? So if you can see the way people search, let's say there's a term and, it, and it's, you know, brand that is good for the future. I'm just making that one up. Let's say a thousand people a month search for that. Well, you know, it'd be really smart to stand up some content and focus on answering that term. And later, you can introduce a new term if you want to. But let's go where the demand is. Now, you, it's funny you should talk about content because, you know, I, I, I like to write blog posts. And, and I think there's a really egocentric sort of uh, reason for people to write blog posts, which is we want to get read. Who doesn't want to get read? Nobody writes for themselves. And... It blew me away when I actually saw for the first time how many people would be looking for a blog post about future-proof brands versus how many people would be looking for a blog post about brands that will help me in the future. It was, it was astonishing. Just a couple of words difference, but that says something about human nature. You know, people don't take the perfect term and type it into their computer. And this is a really key point, and I think as entrepreneurs, we're either, we just haven't thought about it at all, or we're stuck, anybody who knows a bit about search and SEO, most people are stuck in an old paradigm. So worst case, you don't know anything, so you don't even realize they're searching. So that's bad. People search, you should, you should get in front of them. But uh, there's also a thing known as keywords. And back in the day, like a year ago, search engines used to essentially look at how many times you had a word in your content, and they'd 
kind of look at that density and that might help you get a better listing. It's the opposite now. You start stuffing a bunch of words in your content and making it crappy reading, you're going to get penalized. They actually look at the term. They're very, very sophisticated. So they look at the exact term. Like a red cup of tea is not the same as a red teacup. And they then look at the intent. What is that person looking for? And they'll actually analyze your exact content and see how well it answers that question. And then they'll compare it to, I think it's about 4 trillion web pages now, everybody else's content. And they'll compare it against the very best for that term. And if yours is the very best, you're going to rise to the top. So, I mean, this, this is important because I grew up uh, digitally in a time when I had an SEO guy come in and, and, and revise my website and, and stuff keywords in, you know, about sustainability. Do not do that. Do not do that. <laughs> but I had sustainability. Sustainability is a sustainability of the sustainability. And uh, turns out that wasn't sustainable. Yeah, it was not a sustainable business model, I can tell you. Um, and then I remember he brought another thing to me. He said, you know what? I've got a plan where if you click on these 500 websites and these guys, these 500 guys are going to click on your website and they're going to propel you to the top of the search engine pages. And it was all, it was like trying to cheat on an exam. And Google is like the school marm who has now gotten a whole lot smarter and wised up to the fact that we're carbon copying our test results and pulling them out of the garbage. And we can't get away with that stuff anymore. So funny you talk about carbon copy. One of the things that you get penalized for really quickly now is if you have a duplicate of content. So and we accidentally do it like we'll have some content on a page and then duplicate it on a second page right on our own site. It's our content. You get penalized. So there's they're smart. They're really smart. <laughs> I do that with every single blog post I write. Don't I put, do that. I put a blog post out every week on LinkedIn or or on on Huffington and then a week later I put it on my on my own website. Right. So at best they get credit cuz they had it first and you get nothing. At worst they get credit and you get penalized. Lovely. Love well, that. but it makes sense, right? Sure. Because I'm a searcher. Maybe that's really great content for uh, you know, uh, non-allergenic lotion for my red rash. And that's what I searched for and that was really good content and so Google knew that. If they show it twice as a searcher, I kind of lose confidence in Google. Well, then they sell less ads. So they don't want that to happen. So they're penalizing you, but it's better for the user. So, you know, just don't do that. It, it, it's also incredible. You just glanced over it because I think you've told the story many times the, that a red cup of tea is not the same as a cup of red tea. And I remember this was a, a big deal uh, that I didn't even realize because I was, you know, kind of a newbie to the whole thing. Uh, it was a big deal when we were developing uh, Determine and Search Doppler that you had gotten the algorithms to the point where you could distinguish between Mac, the computer, Mac, the Apple, and Mac, the makeup. And that's that was when a we huge knew we, deal. That's when we knew we had it working. So you put in the search for the term Mac. How does Google know what you mean? This is actually a really neat example of, of how search works. So they they might think you mean a Mac computer or they might think you mean a Mac Apple or they might think you need mean Mac cosmetics. And fair game, I mean, they're not wrong. So their results might show all of those. But that if, if you're a business and you're selling Mac apples, that's not helpful to you. You want terms that are similar to Mac apples. So you want like Macintosh apples or whatever. So when you're trying to understand what people are searching for that's related to your business, 
really important to find those relevant terms. So we've worked really hard to find relevant terms, but the fact of the matter is that a search engine thinks Mac computers are related to Mac apples. I'm being trying to be very specific with my language. It's not that they think it's relevant, but they're related terms. They're, they're, it could be this one or it could be that one. That, we're really getting inside baseball on kind of search technicalities, but if you're trying to do search marketing, you need to know what terms are related because you want your content to really be easy to differentiate. And that's where we do things to help the search engines along so they put us in the right slot. And so um, it, it's, it's complicated. It's a complicated world. Like we humans, we overlap our words all over the place. And I think what really matters is, is we try to simplify the whole thing. There are people searching and some of them want what you have to offer. So it's really useful to see the terms that they're using that are related to what you have to offer. And then to pick the ones that are really relevant to your unique offering that really resonate for you. And then to put up content on those terms where you stand the best chance of winning and really work hard at making that great content. Because now that's existing demand. It's like they walked in your store, so pay attention to them and give them some great stuff. And Lo and behold, they're gonna, you're going to get leads right out of nowhere. Now, this, this is an interesting point. This is something that you actually built into Determine, but I, I didn't realize that this was even possible. You distinguish between organic content, which is essentially me writing a blog post, or me putting up uh, words on my webpage, and that is stuff that I did not pay for. I just put it out there into the universe for people to read. And paid content, which is, of course, when I use a term and I put it into a Google AdWords campaign and I pay every time somebody clicks. Now, what blew me away, you know, we were talking a little bit about a red cup of tea versus a cup of red tea or future-proof brand versus a brand for the future. There are huge discrepancies between one term and the term that's sitting right next to it as far as what advertisers are paying for it, the whole paid uh, term sort of field. It, that, that just blew me away, that yeah, one it's term. Astonishing. It, it's crazy that well, you know, future-proof brands would be, it would cost me zero Well, actually, future-proof brands would be cheap because <laughs> no one cares. Nobody cares about what I was doing. So future-proof brands is free, but right next to it, brands for a better future could be $12 per click. Yeah, absolutely, and, and not only that, it, they, so how do you know it's $12 a click? Well, Google says, we would recommend you bid $12. Yeah. And that's cool, but what's interesting is that it's an auction, so it's not up to them, it's up to the bidders. And you can have up to 11 bidders on a typical page, and so they're saying we would recommend you bid $12, but if there were only, let's say, two bidders, how much would you bid? Probably not $12. And your worst case might be you were in third place, which is probably not so bad. So it, it becomes a messy world uh, yeah. on the page. But if you can get into free, it's the greatest starting place because organic, organic that's the stuff below the ads. People trust it more. Yeah. They, more clicks go to that. Though Those clicks are people who really are genuinely, the intent seems to be higher than paid ads. So... It's really worth investing in understanding how people search, picking terms that really resonate for your business, and creating better content than any of your competitors for the terms you care most about, because you'll move up in those listings. Uh, 
and you'll get free traffic. Now, before I end, you'll only move up if you do it the right way. And this is a key thing, like you look up a term and it says there's 2,692,000 uh, results. Yeah, but most of them are not optimized. Well, what does that mean? Well, they actually created the content, but they never bothered to tell Google what it refers to. They stuffed it full of keywords. They put images, never told Google what, that the images linked back to that search term. They didn't put a domain that linked to that search term. They didn't put a title linked to that search term. So the search engine, it's just a little bot. It looks at it and goes, I don't know. I don't know what that is. And so it's somewhere in the two millionth result. But if you optimize your content, and, and it's not that hard, and we make it easy and determined, but there's other tools that'll do it. But essentially all you're doing is putting up content and doing a few tweaks to make it easy for the search engine. And if you do that, you will rise very close to the top right out of the gate. Uh, because it's the little bot that decides where to put you, and you need to speak the little bot's language. It's fascinating because, you know, you initially compared it to, uh, to fishing. You know, it, it's almost like a fish finder. And it, it is that simple. It, you know, it seems like a highly complex thing, but you said it's just a little bot. Now, what initially got it through my head was that I'm standing on shore, I'm throwing a line into the water, the water is opaque, I can't see below the surface, every once in a while I pull a fish out. I'm happy, but then I look offshore and I see these trawlers that are hauling in tons of fish and they have fish finders. They know exactly where the fish are, they know what they're biting on, they know what sort of lure they're biting on, how fast you have to drag it through the water. And I think that really simple analogy applies really well here. Yeah, and I think it's even simpler for, for to get started, to get to the 80% level, you know, pick the right pool. So pick the little lake that's the terms related to your business. You don't care about anything else. And, and you can get really sophisticated, but if you just knew where the, where the most fish were and it wasn't that competitive, just park your boat there and drop your hook down, you're gonna get some fish. Not that complicated. Yeah, it is, it is incredible that, that it is actually not that complicated. And you know, another thing that was uh, amazing to me was um, how, how we started using this tool to actually validate new business ideas. So, you know, people say uh, search engine optimization, it's all about getting your website seen, it's all about getting your, your, your blog post seen, but there's a billion uh, different applications and one of them that blew me away was, hey, I've got this great new uh, business which is all about, um, you know, rash cream for head rashes. Uh, let's run with that, let's, let's, get a, let's get some venture financing for that. And I remember this actually happened when I was working with you and you said, no, wait a minute, it wasn't with the head rash cream, but it was another business. No, because that's a brilliant idea. That's, that's a, brilliant, a no brainer. Thank you very much. That's why I'm here. Um, but I remember there was a, a new business idea that crossed the transom and you ran a series of tests on this. And what we found out was that people like future proof brands, they weren't looking for it. We talk about a series of tests. It's seven minutes. Four, it's four minutes. It's nothing. It, it's just like, I have this idea. Well, let's go see if anyone's searching for it. And if they are, well, no, let's go with the easy thing. No one's searching for it. Yeah. Well, okay, <laughs> move on. Yeah. Um, but, and, 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 I mean, you maybe could convince them, right? You could take out Super Bowl ads and newspaper ads and throw parties and, and maybe convince people to care. But why, why? Why don't you just go find a pool of demand that exists already? It, it seems so, in hindsight, it seems so common sense. But when you're standing in front of it, you know, we, before we started recording, we were talking about startups and how people 
start with an idea that they think is absolutely amazing and then they tweak, tweak, tweak the idea, you know, the idea of the minimum viable product, MVP. But what they're not doing, they're not actually looking around before they get started to see if anybody's looking for this stuff. And it seems to me like such an, a basic 101 concept to go out in the world and see how many people are looking for it. Well, it's a different view. So if you, if you believe that that's a good starting place and you have the tools and the tools, you know, we make the tools available now. So you have an idea, uh, you take a look, you see the demand and you go, okay, that's enough demand. That's good. I like that. That's a million a day. That's good. That's a good pool of demand. Then you look deeper and you say, oh, this is really competitive. This one's not too competitive. This really resonates with what I want to offer. This one doesn't. And you get down to, well, it's 10,000 a day, but it's dead on what I do. And it's really approachable. I, I could win there. Okay, well, that's a really good idea. You should, you should run with that. The alternative to that is just, you know, stick your head up your bum and hope you're right. Yeah. I, I'll go with plan A. Which is, but that's crazy because so many people continue to just go with what they like. You know, they're, they're, they've got one idea and they run with it. They totally do. But you know what? I, I, it's, it's, it sounds really harsh the way we're talking about it right now, but we, you and I do it. Yeah. We'll, we'll have a discussion about a new blog post and we'll be half through the first draft and one of us will go, oh, did you check if yeah. anyone cares about this topic? No, I, I, did you do? No. I, and we find out we're brilliant or sometimes not. And now we're lucky. We'll change our, our course because of that. But it's ingrained in us to do it the old-fashioned way. It's the old political thing, the old politician thing. Everybody agrees. Well, wait a minute. No, have you actually checked if everybody agrees? You know, it's one of those things. You get your ego in the way and you say, of course people will like this idea because me, my mom, and my dog like this idea. And, and it's human nature to just charge into something. Problem is you found that out by doing a focus group with you and your mom and your dog and everyone lied. And exactly. that's what, there's the problem. Exactly, exactly. So, you know... Future-proofing brands is what I still. Sorry, love to... let me look that up. My God, you're you're at the you're on page I, one, man. Exactly, you're I'm killing on. Page, it. I own future-proofing brands, and and if nobody hears this podcast, it's because it's ranked number one on. Yeah, on we're not putting brand. this up under no. future. Yeah. No, no, okay. it's going to go Fantastic. under search. It's going to be under yeah, search so, awesomeness. Yeah. Which How is... do I attract demand Ex online? Exactly. How it's, do I sell more online? It's yeah, going to be under good. John McDonald, one of the most searched terms in the world. Actually, yeah. by the way, I believe the, it should go under your clicks for nothing and your chicks for free. Or yeah, I don't know. Money for nothing. Money for nothing. Exactly. It's dire straits. I don't yeah, know what it's going to yeah. go under. But if I want to build a brand that is resilient enough to withstand uh, the craziness of today's market, tell me, where, where do I use search? Do I just use it on, on my website? Where do I use this stuff? It seems like a lot more diverse and a lot broad than, broader than that. It's totally a leading question because you've been pushing my thinking on this all along. You look at what the company does and how people are searching and what their language is. And you, you come to understand what the market wants and you think about your brand in that context. How do you position your brand so it's dead center on, on a big pool of demand? How do you tweak your language so it'll really resonate with that audience? And it's not some audience lying to you in a focus group. This is what people are saying. Why, why not just anchor on that? Right, right. So people want to check this thing out. They want to, they want to give it a go. We, we, we created Determine. Uh, you had a, a vision that this thing was going to be simple enough for even people like me to use. Yeah, we're still working on that. We're, <laughs> we're, we're not quite there. But I, I want to mention to folks, because I use this all the time, and that's why I've got you on. It's not because you know, it's, uh, you know, it's an inside deal, even though it is an inside deal, and you will be getting the check later. 
But um, I use this thing all the time for writing my blog posts. It's at determine.com, D-T-E-R-M-I-N.com. And uh, we've got the professional grade model, which is something we haven't talked about at all today. We're, uh, we're out of yeah, time. Search, search Doppler is all advanced math. We'll yeah, save that for the advanced audience. Exactly. We don't want to talk about that on this podcast because it might just blow my brain out. But, so, I, but I'll give you an unsolicited uh, testimonial. Okay. I use it every day. You use it every day. <laughs> I do. I love it. I can't help myself. Every idea I have to, I just have to go see. Well, it's weird because, you know, one thing, final, final point. Uh, you know, you use it every day. I use Determine all the time when I'm writing blog posts to find out what people are actually looking for so I can tweak it just a little bit to make sure that somebody, apart from me, my mom, and my dog, read it. Um, but will this stuff ever replace human judgment, human intuition? No, I don't think a computer can ever make the decision of which term is really resonates with your offering because it's unique. Only you know your business, and, and so you, you need to see the data, but you're going you're gonna to hone in yourself. You, it takes human judgment. And then, so now you know this there's this term that a lot of people are using and it really resonates and you should own that term. Only you can write the content and only you can really get your message across. But you can't actually focus on the right term without the help of the computer and the computer can't replace you. Right. So essentially, uh, if you're a general, you're still going to be calling the shots for your troops, but you've just got a little less fog of war. You've got a little more insight into your judgment. Might as well put the troops on the hill where they can win. Exactly. Exactly. Might as well go fishing where the fish are. Absolutely. We can keep metaphoring till the, till the cows come home. <laughs> Which in itself was amazing. Exactly. Oh, that was so clever, and I'm All just right. getting that now. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. It was a real pleasure to be here. Good luck, everybody. Get out there and show up. You've been listening to Didn't See It Coming, the podcast about brands that are learning from the past, looking to the future, and succeeding. Thanks for listening.